You're listening to Gifted with Sheila White, a podcast that will inspire you. Its purpose is to uplift and entertain creatives to pursue their passions through their gifts. Sheila White is a film and television producer, author, and entrepreneur. And in each episode, Sheila talks with gifted individuals about their journey and the lessons they've learned. It will also inspire you to make an impact, living your best purpose-driven life with clarity. And now, here's your host, Sheila White. Welcome, friends, to another episode of Gifted with Sheila White. I'm excited that you tuned in today to get some information, to get some inspiration, and also motivation. Friends, I want to know if you have figured out your life's purpose. I mean, specifically while you're here on this planet, is worry or fear or uh, things that are plaguing you and things like that? Well, my guest today is going to be able to help you to implement your life to the next level. I mean, he's going to give you some tools and things that can help you, whether you're a high school student, college or a senior. OK, he's got the right stuff, baby. OK, and so I'm really excited to have him here with us on today's podcast. And if I want you to call a friend, share this podcast with someone, because this is going to be very enlightening. I mean, he is a MC. He's a host, as they say, with the mostest. He's got what it takes to improve your life and to help you to be able to go on to your next. Um, before we get into today's conversation with my special guest, I would like for you to subscribe to this podcast. Share this with your family or friends for more episodes and new content that we have each week. Now, get ready, get ready, get ready, because... Ah, let me take a breath. Let me fasten my seatbelts because I am very, very excited today. My guest, Mr. Kent Wade, as they call him, KW, is also known as the library guy. And he has over 17 years of library customer service. And Mr. Wade has been using his public speaking, his motivational speaking, and his emceeing and facilitating. He's also a storyteller and he captivates difficult conversations and leadership for over the last 14 years. Now, from working with youth and empowering professionals, the mission is for humans to regain their ambition. Ooh, wow. Something juicy on today. Despite the heaviness that you may be having in your life, everyone needs a touch of ambition. Mr. Kent uses his career service experience to help serve patrons in various fields, um, primarily in the financial services. Anybody need some help? in the financial area on today, well, we got something for you. KW is a proud father. His daughter just celebrated her birthday on yesterday. So, wow, he's a little tired, but he's here. He's here with us today. He's a board member on, on numerous community agencies, and he is a co-author doing all of this and a co-author of over three books. So we're going to get into it right away. Welcome, Kent, to the show. Oh, man, it is so good to be here, man. Let's your energy is so contagious. Sheila, I, I'm, I'm ready. <laughs> all right. We, we got some ambition for you all today. You know, Kit, let's get started and, and just find out in your earlier choices where you, you know, the choices that you made early in life. Is that what landed you to where you are now? Because whew, a lot has happened over the years. But the choices that you've made earlier in life, did that land you to where you are now? Uh, I have to say yes. I have to say yes. Um, that conversation of regaining ambition 
Mm. Um, by Webster's definition of ambition, it means a desire that requires determination and hard work. And so throughout my life, there were some decisions that I made that pushed me towards that desire. And there were some decisions that caused me to backtrack and have to do the cleanup to make mm. sure that I got to those places. And mm. so as a high school dropout who was homeless, some of those decisions that I made leading to dropping out of high school could have led me to a path that would have been a high school graduate. It could have led me into college or university. However, because of the decisions that I made, good, bad, ugly, and all those in between, it brought me to this point right here. Wow. You know, we talk about, you know, like you said, being a dropout and some of the choices that you have made, some of the cleanup stuff. Um, what was the biggest risk that you have taken, would you say? Now, would you say the good or the bad? Because well, actually both. Risks. Actually both, because, um, you know, the good is the good and the bad is the bad. But that's the making of you. You know what I'm saying? Yes, and so yes. let's share a little bit of that, of those stories. So I would say the the good choices that I was some of the, 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 the biggest the biggest factors that was good was mm. the fact that I did not quit. Mm. I refused to quit. Now, again, being a high school dropout was just a piece of the iceberg. I'm, a, I'm adopted. I was adopted when I was two and a half years old. Wow. And so there was this emptiness, this feeling that I had growing up as a child that I could not verbalize as a, as a child until I got older and began to understand my feelings. My, my emotional intelligence was not that high until I became an adult. And so the fact that I did not quit because I knew, okay, this is what I started off with. And I want my children, when I did have children, to have something better. So that, will, I would say, would be the good aspect of it. Now, mm -hmm. the bad was that I spent more time betting on my friends and those in my circle, mm -hmm. okay? And the trauma bonding that I had, I trusted them and gave more value into them than I gave into myself. And I don't mean in that selfish conversation where I just, it was all about me. But sometimes you have to bet on yourself before you help anybody else. Right. I mean, when you're on a when you're on a plane and that mask falls down, what do they tell you? Put it on yourself first before you're able to administer to someone else. Wow. Wow. You know, just coming out of the pandemic, you know, you, you mentioned something and there's a lot of people that are listening that are adopted or that are in foster care and, you know, different things like that. Or they don't know who their biological father is or things like that. Um, how has you know, coming through the pandemic, how would you say from what you do now, the industry has changed? Because now you're speaking to people that have come through this pandemic. They're in this situation. Like I said, maybe they're a foster child. Maybe they're um, adopted. Maybe they don't know who their biological parents is all these years. And then here comes the pandemic that's hit them upside the head. So how has the industry that you're in changed, would you say? Because now you're speaking to a different group of people that had these previous problems and then more problems dumped onto them. Man, you, you bring up a great point because people were suffering and going through issues before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. We got it. We have to really speak on that. And what the pandemic did, and I don't know if we ever, you know, we talk about the, the negative, we talk about the deaths, we talk about how it changed our, our the world, not our country, but the world. That's right. That's right. If there is one positive, the pandemic was a chance to hit the reset. It was a chance for every, for people to look at themselves internally. And then as you're looking internally, you're now seeing yourself in this, in someone else. 
And so I like to encourage people, if, you have, if you're in the foster system, if you've ever been in the foster system, because that healing factor, it takes a while to heal. Um, if you're adopted, this is that reset. There is an opportunity now where you can take advantage of the future if you decide to do so. The pandemic reset everything, financial institutions, it reset the way that we lived. We're really just starting to really come outside, as the kids would say. We're really just starting <laughs> to come outside. And so use this opportunity to come out of something that was supposed to take us away to make us better. Mm -hmm. Wow. You know, and that is really important because, you know, people that were suffering before that and then, like I said, more piled on top of it and and people that don't understand um, you know, they've been dealt this hand in life. Maybe they're a foster child or maybe they're um, adopted or whatever, like you saying with your background was and the emotional health that you had at that time, not understanding it. But as you look at things now and as you said, hitting the reset button in life right now, it's not about the amount of breaths you take, but about the moments that take your breath away. Yes. And it's important to understand that when you say reset, that we can reset our day and begin to, you know, kind of channel it in a different way, look at it differently and become a different person, become a better person. So I think that's important. And I know that they call you the library guy. It's for a reason. But what I want to know is, do you, do you think it's more valuable to have experience or education? Because people are going through things like we said, but in your case, has the experience or ed education been more valuable? Sheila, I have to say it's both. I, I, it's, it's, it's like peanut butter and jelly. You can have a you can have a peanut butter sandwich. A peanut butter sandwich is just as good. Or if you grew up like me, sometimes you didn't have peanut butter. And we had to make a jelly sandwich. You know, toast that bread, turn your bread into some toast. Add Come some on jelly. Now. Take us there. Take us there. <laughs> so separately, you can still get filled. You could be filled. Education is a great asset. It's something that people cannot take away from you. Being a black man, a proud black man, I understand the value of education because of what the ancestors, the elders and the olders have went through. And my mother always told me she had an eighth grade education. She was born in 1931. She was raised in Mississippi, part of the great migration to Chicago. She had an eighth grade education, but she was one of the most intellectual women that I know. And she always told me she wanted us to have an education because no one could take educate can take education from you. No one can take away what they what you put inside of this thing called your brain. And so education helped me take from a high school dropout and homeless. It helped me develop my customer service abilities. It helped me develop my public speaking abilities. It helped me harness the, the opportunity on how to research. Being in the library for over fifteen years, and and plus, I'm, I know how to research and find information. However. My experience, I'm a talker. I got in trouble in school for talking. You know, I was that kid that got out, got put out of class. Sheila, you might know what I'm talking about. Class clown, right? Class clown, right? <laughs> Can Just tell that joke, the, yeah. The experiences that I had, there's, there, there's, there's no, there's no classroom that can prepare yeah. me for what I went through. Mm -hmm. So when you put those things together. You put that bread, peanut butter on one side, put that jelly on the other side, and you put that bad boy together, you now get a combination of sweet and salty. You get yeah. a combination of something that's going to stick to your ribs. And so I value both of those things. 
Take mm. your experience, find the education that works for you, and then educate yourself on how you can take your experience to make someone else's life, life better. And that's where I be, that's where I became the library guy is because I made the library experience. I hung out at the library. I was a high school dropout. That was my favorite place to go. They said, no, you're going to get your GED. Mm. They helped me get the GED. Camille Rose, Roland Johnson, I got to shout them out. Yeah. They took me to the college. I met Lisa Weaver. She was the first white woman in my life that I ever connected to so much that she became family because she did not give up on her brother. She mm. would come to the neighborhood. They'll be selling drugs across the street. She would get out of her car, leaving her car running to come ask me why was I not in class? Mm. And so those components put together, they cultivated something that made me want to give back. So I became an employee of the library. Mm. So I believe both experience and education under the right under the right energy, the right reset can take a person wherever they want to go. So true. So true. You know, it just makes me think about when you're talking to people, explaining your life experiences and things like that. Um, you know, let us know a time when your message really connected with the audience and you felt that shift because we're we're feeling a shift now, which you're just talking to people and, and I'm feeling this. Shift. Everybody in the studio is feeling a shift. But tell us a time when you felt that message that you had really connected and you felt the shift take place, because like you said, education and also experience is really, really important. And something shifted in all of us here. So when is the time when you were talking to an audience, group of young people, and you knew there was change that happened? You felt the shift. Man, I, man, I have, I have been in front of audiences of all ages, different platforms, but the one experience that stands out the most. Yes. I was at, I was at a high school in Washington, Illinois. Mm. Uh, not very diverse. I mean, they had some black and brown uh, students, uh, but mostly Caucasian white students. And I'm telling my story. And I, I, I have the same fire with every audience. I don't care if you're blue collar, white collar. Right. I don't care what you believe. Yeah. I'm coming with what God put inside of me for that message. Yeah. And so as I'm sharing me being adopted, okay, mm. at this time, I'm encouraging them to stay in school. I have the encouragement to let them know that their life experience is going to make them better. Mm -hmm. And I spoke about being adopted. And when I finished, I had a young girl. She had, I think she was a freshman at the time. Excuse me. She came up to me afterwards and she's crying. Little white girl. Okay. Wow. Again, at this time, I'm, I'm, I'm real, I'm real raw in my speaking. Okay. As far yeah. as being you, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm Malcolm X. I'm Marcus Garvey. I'm, <laughs> I'm Martin Luther I'm, King. I'm Dr. King. I am I am black and proud. And that's what yeah. you, that's that's who I am. That's that's yeah. what you get. Yeah. And yeah. at this time, you know, I'm bringing those gentlemen up to tell my story. But this little white girl comes up to me. She's so 411 barely. Yeah. She comes up to me. She's crying and she says, "Can I hug you?" Okay? I hug because I'm a these are my yeah. babies, okay? I don't you're, care you're if people you're person. my babies. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a people person and yeah. my babies, these kids are my babies. And so I yeah. hug her and she says, I'm adopted too. And she proceeds to tell her story on how she became adopted, how her father mm. sexually abused her, mm. how she remembers at five and six years old, what that made her feel like. Wow. And how she was adopted 
because her mother did not protect her. That moment, I knew I had a mission. There was a purpose bigger than myself, bigger than my healing of what I was doing. When you speak, you, you're healing when you tell your story. Yes. It was bigger than me at that moment. Mm. And all I could do was hug that young lady because I'm not a clinical psychologist. Yes. I don't have that, that background because I do believe in therapy. I do believe in counseling yeah. with a licensed clinical per individual. Okay. Mm. That mm -hmm. fits the individual that you, that you need. Yes. I'm, I, all I could do was hug her. And mm. she, when she, after our hug was over with, you could feel the weight and I then said at that moment, I said, give me that weight. Give me that weight that you have on your shoulders because I've dealt with my own weight all these years and I yeah. want you to be free. And that, wow. that was at the moment where I knew I had a duty. And that was about maybe nine, about nine years ago. About wow. nine years ago. Wow. You know, what has helped you, Kent, get to where you are? Because um, there are people out there that are inspired, like that young lady. They want to become someone. They want to do something more. They want to find their purpose in life. And so what advice would you give a person that's like that? You know, because someone helped you to get where you are. You mentioned the young lady, the lady, the teacher, the, the person that's like asking you, why aren't you in school? You know, the Caucasian individuals. Um, so what advice would you give to someone that is um, needing that help? They, they need to hear a voice. They need someone to speak into their life the way you did to that young lady. And she received that at that time. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you just three quick, quick things. Cause yeah. this is a conversation okay. that we can, this is a whole nother segment. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to have you back. That's for sure. <laughs> I, I, I am ready. You have a great team and I, and your smile and energy is contagious. Um, but I will say the first thing is if you become aware that you need help, you can't get help there. until you say, I need help. I say that see again. that I need help. You Whether you're an alcoholic or whoever, it doesn't matter. From an alcoholic to a, a, a foodaholic. Foodaholic. Shopaholic. Shopaholic <laughs> to the emotional, uh, 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 a detached individual, The whatever it is, you have to say, I need help. Mm. and understand that when you do that, you're not weak. It takes strength to look in the mirror. Because, Ms. Sheila, I had to say, I need help. Yes, yes. Three years ago, I had to tell, two, no, two years ago, I had yeah. to tell my wife, I am financially illiterate. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. We've been together almost over 10 years at this point. I have to look her in the face and say, babe, I know how to go get a job. I know yeah. how to make the money. I don't yeah. have to bring that kind of cash it. I don't have to bring the money in, but how to fight, how to manage my money, how mm. to invest my money to wow. make sure that things are taken care of. I'm I'm at a 17 year old ment mental mentality with yeah. mental mentality mm. in this state. So mm. the moment you express and you're aware that I need help, the second thing is go find that help. Mm. Wow. And when you find that help, be intentional. When I started going to therapy, okay, when I started to go to therapy, because I never, I've never seen a healthy marriage. I was wow. raised by a single black mother in the black community. Okay. So I've never had a chance to see a, a healthy black family. My mm -hmm. wife is a single child. She did not see a healthy black family. So for me and her to create a healthy black family, we're doing something that we have never done before. 
mm. never seen before, except except off the TV. <laughs> and so yes. we, I, I had to go to counseling because there were some things that I needed to deal with because every decade there's something that traumatized that was just stuffed down, mm. stuffed down, stuffed down. And so I intentionally found a black male therapist mm. because I need to talk about black male issues. Yes, yes, yes. So yes. when you seek your help, find intentional help. And again, meet yourself where you are. Find help that can meet you where you are. Mm. And then on that third component, give yourself some grace. Give yourself some wow. grace. I just took a rental car back. We celebrated my daughter's birthday this weekend. Took her to the beach. I mean, we. It, I'm tired. I'm tired, but it was worth it. My only baby girl. Yeah. And so, as I was being as the 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 driver, you know, he's like, yeah. you know, they give you a lift back. Yeah. As we as I'm heading back, he's talking to me, and he as he's talking to me, he's talking about, you know, what sometimes we don't, we, we don't give ourselves enough grace. And I was like, what do you mean by that? He's like, I'm 72 years old. And every time I meet new people, every time people talk to me about problems, they beat themselves up before they get to the problem. Mm. So how can you, listen, how can you heal if one, life is beating you down, society will beat you down, okay? Society and media will beat you down. Mm -hmm. And then you're beating yourself down. You're jumping, you're, you're being jumped. You got three people beating yourself up and you got to give yourself that grace because wow. you realize I got grace with myself. You're able wow. to give grace to other people. Wow. That's a powerful, that's powerful. And you know what? I think we need to talk a little bit about that because especially in the black community, they don't believe in, you know, what goes on in the house stays in the house. So when you talk about therapy, there's a lot of people that will refuse to go to therapy. They think something's wrong or they think that, you know, they're, they're not crazy, but they don't look at the emotional health as well as the mental health. They're thinking about the physical health, but they're not thinking about those other areas. And when you were saying, um, if you haven't seen a healthy relationship and you're into a marriage or into, how do you, how, how is that going to be healthy? Because you don't know what it looks like. You're doing this for the first time. If you have a literacy in relationships, if you have a literacy in finance, if you have a literacy in different types of areas of your life, how are you going to make it healthy? And so I think that's important to talk about um, therapy and understanding when you need therapy to go get therapy, because if you don't attack your lack, your lack will attack you. And it's so important. It's so important. So I, I just really, I'm so glad you said that to in those areas for people to hear that, um, because it doesn't mean there's something wrong. It just means that you want to get better. You know, you want to live a more fulfilled life. So therapy is really, really important. And I know some religious people, that are going through some things and they think, well, I'm just going to pray it away. I'm just going to ask someone to lay hands on me. But when you say clinical and, and a, a licensed therapist, people that are trained, there's nothing wrong with saying you need help and getting help and seeking the help yeah. that you need. That is so key and so very important because sometimes if you don't get it, you have these setbacks. You have these yeah. career setbacks because you're not attacking that lack. And which brings me to a point of, what things have happened in your life, in your career, that was a setback to you that you thought, well, maybe this is a this is a big disadvantage. But then it turned out to be an advantage because I know you have a lot of things that have happened in your life. So what has happened that was you thought it was a disadvantage, but it turned out to be an advantage? 
I have to say the the shift from the working in the library okay. to no longer working in the library. Oh, um, okay. That's a good one. <laughs> that's it's a big one. It's going a big from one. a nine to five just to an entrepreneur or something like that. It was the scariest thing ever. Um, because in that process, I became a stay at, a stay at home dad. And so at first I have to, I have to salute, no, I'm going to put my hat on and take it off <laughs> to all the stay at home parents. Okay. Stay at home parents are champions. Yes. All right. Yes, um, yes, you yes. almost, you almost are willing to take a nine to five with an angry supervisor mm. than those kids. Mm. Um, but in the transition, because I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little stubborn with new things. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I'm a little apprehensive, which is where my my brand Shake the Fear came from. Because if I don't know how to do it, there's this anxiety, and the definition of fear is either anxiety or perceived danger. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so there was no danger in leaving the library. It just took me out of my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And so coming out of my comfort zone and going to work in the collegiate library was a little scary. And then when I left the collegiate library to work in administration, shout out to all the admin assistants. Yeah. Um, it was even more scary, but I needed full-time employment. I needed those health benefits. Mm. And so in 2019, when I made the decision to leave the nine to five altogether, work for myself and bet on me for the first time. Okay. okay. Catch what I'm saying. Yeah. Bet yeah. on myself for the first mm. time. It was so scary because now I'm in uncharted territory because that money was not coming in every two weeks. You know, you get conditioned. I was conditioned to the fifth and the twentieth. I was conditioned to two. And then at the time, my wife was working full time outside the home, so I'm in the house all day, okay, (laughs) all day with a one year old, a three year old, a five year old. It was. Bless your ministry. Bless your ministries, they say. (laughs) And then COVID hit. And then COVID hit. And so while it it looked like it was something I could not maintain, and this is where, again, that therapy conversation came in, because I realized I wasn't, I wasn't, there was nothing wrong with me. It was, I was just as normal as everyone else. Mm. And so I also had the opportunity to better myself and created for the first time ever my own t-shirt brand. Oh, now, okay. I have a t-shirt brand called Shake the Fear. Mm. And so um, with that, it says Shake the Fear, hashtag ambition. Because in order to unlock that desire that requires determination and hard work, yeah. that's the web def- def- definition of ambition, you yeah. have to move past some fears in order to understand that desire, to work through that desire and the hardship, and then stay determined. And mm. so that's when we started making those transitions. And I bet it on myself. And I saw from 2019 to 2023 that I was able to provide for my family in a variety of forms, mm-hmm. from door dashing to waiting tables, to public speaking, to making my T-shirts, to open mics. I was able to do all of these things at the probably the most hard, that the hardest time that we've had. So when my mother-in-law passed away, yeah. she was unfortunately hit by a car oh my. and she never came. She left out was supposed to come back, never came back. It prepared us to be able to navigate through the worst time me and my wife have ever had together. Mm. And so sometimes that, that, that in 2019, I thought it was a, 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 a setback, but like uh, Les Brown says, a setback is, is nothing but a setup for a comeback. 
Yes, yes, yes. Because we fell on our back and we saw what it was going to be. And that pushed us into the realm of financial services because wow. we did not have life insurance. Mm -hmm. And so that dug us even deeper into a valley. But having that three years of being home, working for myself from every avenue possible, we were able to take different leaps to be able to not only sustain ourselves, but push ourselves to this next level. You're such a great example when you say shake the fear, because you had to do that. There's 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 mouths to feed, um, taking care of the responsibility, like you said, um, at home mom, at home dad. Um, you just have to take your hat off. That's the greatest job in the world. Um, you know, being an at home parent and things like that. And as you went through what you went through, you know, Kent, you're such a great example of, of seeing that, you know, greatness is not a destination. It's a choice because you chose to do what you had to do during that time to be able to make things happen for your family. You didn't stop. You didn't give up. And it prepared you to be able to uh, go through that experience, which was a traumatic experience, you know, because yes. sometimes trauma can kind of get you and it grips you and gives you a holographic grip and you can't move to the left or to the right. But because you made that choice, you know, it, 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 it propelled you to a whole different area. And you mentioned Mr. Brown, Mr. Les Brown, um, who is one of your role models in the industry um, that you're in today? Because I know there's a lot of great speakers, leaders, um, influencers, motivational people out there. But who motivates you, the motivator? <laughs> oh, man. I, <laughs> um, man Les, Les Brown is the reason why I, I knew that black men could be public speakers, motivational speakers. Okay. He introduced me to a black man being a motivational speaker. Mm. Eric Thomas, E.T., the hip hop preacher, yes. was, the, was the speaker that let me know that I can come in my most authentic way. Okay? Mm. Mm. Most authentic way. Yeah. However, I got to give it to Dr. Tyrone Bledsoe, who is the founder of student, uh, he is the, he's the founder of SOB, Student African American Brotherhood. Mm. And the mission is to help black and brown men be able to grow academically, okay, professionally, and then be able to change their communities. Mm. And so we have a motto, um, uh, I am my brother's keeper, and together we will rise, salvaging dreams and saving lives. Mm. And so when I met him and I saw him in his rawness, and he was the first man, the first man that I ever gave a full-on hug to, him and Marcus Struther, another individual from Kankakee who moved on to Sacramento, those two are, are men who, who inspire me constantly when it comes to the speaking, because it's not it's more than just getting on the stage and yes. motivating people. You have mm -hmm. to live this thing. You have to live this thing. And so I, I, I love speakers across the board. I love speakers, men, women. White, black, tall, short, it doesn't matter. I love speakers, yeah. um, but those four individuals are my Mount Rushmore of public speaking, motivational speaking. Wow. Wow. That, that, that's very impressive because um, it's like you said, there's so much out there. There's a plethora of information out there and things and people don't know where to go. And there's always somebody new popping up, popping up and popping up. But, you know, I love what Martin Luther King said, you know, all these people out there, a lot of them are great speakers and things like that, but not everyone can be famous. You know, you mentioned some names that we may not know those individuals, 
but everyone can be great because greatness comes through service. And these individuals yeah. definitely made an impact on your life and on the lives of thousands and, you know, countless many and things like that. Now, let's talk about the library guy. You know, you get coined that name. Okay. How has this impacted you? Because you talk about going to the library and doing research and studying and things. Um, people know you as the library guy in your community. How has that impacted your life? <laughs> um, it, it, it has impacted my life greatly. Yeah. Um, it took me to a place where as a kid who grew up, who did not feel wanted or heard, um, you know, uh, my mom was an old school mama, you know, kids are to be seen and not heard. Uh, I love her, <laughs> the late Addie Wade. Um, at the same time, you, you, I felt boxed in. And so when the library guy came around, um, I was at the grocery store and it was a, a guy panhandling, asking for change. And he just yelled out, hey, library guy, is the, the library open today? And and I was like, my name is Kent. What do you think? I was, and I was like, no, it's not open. And so eventually the kids started calling me that, the library guy, the library man, the library dude. And so it just began to stick. And so I, it's changed my life because I became somewhat of a local celebrity. Um, a local person of of motivation, a local person of uh, if you if they don't know the information, the library guy knows it or he knows how to find it. Yeah. And so it gave me a responsibility. So when I say the word local celebrity, there's a responsibility. There's a duty and an obligation. And so I, I became a servant of the community even more. Mm. And so then I co I coined it because. I, I love libraries. When I go visit another city, I go visit, visit the library. Libraries are a hub for cities, towns, mm -hmm. villages. If you want to see how, how well a community is doing, go to the library. Mm. Go wow. to the library. Wow. wow. Even if you don't need books, there's a service that the library has that everyone in the community, even if you're not a reader, even if you don't want to check out books, the library is a space that cultivates, grows, and matures the residents and the community at large. And when I left the library, I didn't stay long. I didn't stay away long because in the 2019, I left in 2017, 2018, I began. I, I got on the board of directors, um, and I still serve as vice president of the board of directors at the library. And wow. so it, it's it's impacted my life quite a bit. And I'll share this last nugget. Um, when I worked in the library, when I worked in the public library. They will have different events. Community events will happen at your library. Mm -hmm. So being a worker there, being a young adult there, a college student, I will find all the events that have food. So I will go and help clean up so I can get the leftover food. But in those events, I know, I know. In those <laughs> events, though, I was begin I was being put on game from different things that was going on in the community, from politics to social work to uh, IDOT when they were doing the the roads that, that they're doing now, they've got a lot of changes in my community right now and along 57, they said it back in 2007, what was gonna take place. But because I was in the right space at the right time, I became privy to knowledge that helped me become even more of an asset to my community. Now, speaking of being privy to knowledge and being in the library setting, you decide to become an author <laughs> to author a book. So it's one thing to read it, but it's another thing to, like you say, to live it and to be a part of that. So how did that journey come about? Um, and, and you being, you know, pen of a ready writer. <laughs> well, I, I got to say, I've always been a sort of a writer. I've always been into poetry. 
Okay. Uh, you know, that's hey back. You know, for me in the late '90s, early 2000s, that's how you that's how you got your girl. You know, yeah, you had to yeah, write yeah. poetry or write a song. Um, <laughs> and so I got into actually being a being an author. And again, it, I don't know if anyone's catching the theme in this conversation. Yeah. No matter how great I am, mm. there was somebody else that made me better. Coach wow. Nina, I call her Coach Nina. You can find her on Facebook, Coach Nina. Uh, Adison, she just got married. Uh, she came to me and she was, she had such a vibrant energy. Wow. She said, Kent, I'm following your story. You should write a book. And I'm like, nah, I'm, I, my, my attention span is too, you know, all over the place. She said, trust <laughs> me, I got a project I want you to do. It's called You Can, 33 authors, or 30 authors, because it's supposed to be a, a chapter for each day of the month. Okay. We're going to release it. I want you to write your story. Only two pages. I want you to do it. Mm. Man, it took me it took me the whole period of time that she gave us to write to write my two pages. Oh, um, wow. but she gave me the opportunity. Um I my 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 story is called Shake the Fear mm. and it talks about when I left the library. The internal conversation I had with myself, the fear I had going into the library on my last day and the beauty of conquering that. And wow. so once I finished that, she asked me to do another book project. And then once um, I started getting into different settings like Clubhouse, um, Instagram, LinkedIn, mm -hmm. I was me and my wife was asked to do a relationship book, basically talking about how do power couples grow together. And so me and my wife became co-authors together in the third project. Wow. And so wow. when you tell your story, other people want to hear your story and they want to maximize your potential. Wow. Wow. That is awesome. Beautiful. I mean, that is really awesome. It's just like, um, you know, it's like a, it's like a Disney. <laughs> it's like a Disney type of story. It starts out one way and then it turns and then it takes you to another turn and and things like that. That That is really, really beautiful. How do you empower um, others to rid their fear of public speaking, because that's one of the biggest things that people would rather do something else than to do public speaking. So how do you help empower people to get rid of that fear? In a survey done by TED Talk back, I want to say in 2017, mm -hmm, public mm -hmm. speaking is in the top three of fears outside of heights <laughs> and claustrophobia, being in enclosed yeah. places. Yeah. Public speaking is up there. And yeah. so when it comes to rid to to not and, and for me, I don't necessarily help people rid the fear of public speaking because I'm afraid every time I speak. OK, <laughs> remember, the definition of fear is perceived danger or anxiety, extreme anxiety. Yes, yes. That yes. anxiety means that this is something that either matters to you or there's a perceived danger. And the most perceived danger in public speaking that I share in my workshop, because I do a public speaking workshop twice mm -hmm. a year, virtually, mm -hmm. one virtually and one in person. Mm -hmm. The one of the leading perceived dangers is the opinions of other people. Wow. Opinions of other people. The second is there was a situation or a time or a moment where we spoke up. And when we spoke up, there was some sort of either backlash or there was a mistake on our part or we subconsciously did not get out what we wanted to say due to lack, lack of preparation. Yeah. And so due to these two components, I encourage people to, if you're afraid of public speaking, speak. 
<laughs> speak and speak on what matters to you. Speak on what yes. is passionate for you. Don't mm. speak on something you'll have nothing, know nothing about. Wow. If, you're, if you love coffee, speak on coffee. If you love mm. cars, if you love uh, sports, speak on those things. And by speaking those things, you're going to connect with some someone. And when you connect with someone, you're then going to enhance your conversation because now it's going to take you through the channels of dialogue. Mm. And so that's why I say shake the fear. We're not yeah. we're not going to get rid of it. But I don't know if people are familiar with Allen Iverson. You know, I come from I yeah. love basketball. Yeah. Allen yeah. Iverson, Jamal Crawford. Yeah. There's a way there's something called a crossover where yeah. you go one way. A defendant thinks you're going that way and then you go back the other. We're going to shake fear and we're not going to let fear hold us. But we're, gonna, we're going to declare that we're going to use that fear to make sure that we get out what we're trying to get out. Wow. Wow. What does faith mean to you? Um, in these days and in the times that you're in and what you have come through from being um, adopted and, you know, going through all of that. Um, how has faith inspired your life? Faith is second. Faith and ambition together mm. is what fuels me to be able to become who I am. Okay. Because if I can't believe in these, if I can't believe in something that I haven't seen, if mm. I, if I, if in my soul, if I didn't believe a better day was coming, I would have, I would have, I would have gave up a long time ago. Wow. Um, I was raised by faith. Uh, my mom, my mom was a believer. Um, she was a, she was a Christian. Um, she, we were seven, grew up Seventh Day Adventist. Um, so we worshipped on Saturdays, Friday night sunset to Saturday sunset. So my mother spoke about faith a lot. Mm. She spoke about God, and I don't necessarily tell people what to believe or how yeah. to believe. Right, right. I just tell people to believe. Because when you believe in something, that's what faith means. Wow. When you believe in something, that and what you believe will become real. Mm. Think about the things that we're afraid of. Think about the negativity that we believe in. If you believe something negative is going to happen, guess what? It happens. It happens. That's faith. Even though you may not call it faith or identify it as faith, mm -hmm. but it's believing in something. And so for me to believe that one day I will have my GED, to believe I will be a college graduate, even though I had a 0 0.64, a 0 0.64 GPA, wow. Wow. my first two years of community college, if I, if to have faith is saying when I was speaking with United Way, with who I'm on a board of, I'm on a board of directors with them as well, to mm -hmm. say in 2009, when I was speaking and telling my story about using services, the pantries, and I'm talking to blue collar workers as mm -hmm. I'm telling them that one day I will be on stages. One day I will be a public speaker. One day I'll be making sure this is my business. I had to believe it. I believe that where I'm in now, I believe that in 2009. Mm. Wow. It, did, wow. it didn't mean that I didn't have issues, though. Mm, mm. It didn't mean I didn't have issues because the children of Israel, if you Google their journey, if you map quest their journey by foot, it was a 11 day journey straight. If they walked straight, it was 11 days. Mm -hmm. It turned into 40 years because their faith, their belief kept wavering. Mm. And there are things that I could have, should have and would have done if I had held strong to my faith. But I'm wow. thankful for the village around me to help me remind me of my uh, uh, of the belief that I had. Wow. Wow. And it's so important because a lot of young people are walking around. I would have, should have, could have had an automata, but I didn't, you know. And so it's important to 
understand that, that there is something more powerful than you that can help lead you, that can help guide you, that can give you more light on your path, so to speak. And what are some tools that you share with the youth today? Because I know you work with a lot of young people and have a passion for them because these are the leaders for tomorrow. And so what is one of your central themes? Uh, we talk about ambition and shake the fear. Let's expound a little bit on that a little bit more for people to understand, specifically the youth for tomorrow, to understand their responsibility that they have. The first thing I let youth know is that there's nothing new under the sun. Wow, wow. I, I want you to know mm. I have been through this, if not the same thing, but mm. I felt the same way. Wow. I felt wow. unheard. I felt unloved. I mm -hmm. felt unwanted. I felt like my life had no value. I've dealt with pain. I've dealt with hardships. I've cried myself to sleep. Mm -hmm. I've watched my mama work her butt off to go mm -hmm. nowhere. I mm -hmm. didn't, excuse me, I didn't have a, excuse me, my father wasn't present or the my parentals were not present. And mm -hmm. so I established with them mm -hmm. that their story is real that someone else has lived that story and they have made it. Wow! There was wow. somebody else who lived their story that didn't make it. Wow. And it's your choice wow. to decide what are you going to do with your story wow. and that responsibility. I do put the responsibility on the youth. If they're over the age of 18, mm -hmm. I let them know you're responsible because my babies are coming up next. They're gonna be watching you just like you're seeing me here. I'm coming here because I remember 16. I remember 17. I remember crying in the rain on my 16th mm. birthday because we had nothing. Mm. I know the value of saying, I don't want to be alive anymore Wow! because I'm tired of the pain that I feel. And then maybe the world will be better off without me. Mm. And that because of what they're going through, someone else younger than them needs that energy. And mm. if they're under the age of 18, between the ages of 12 to 17, I let them know this is your this is your story. Mm. You didn't ask to be here. You weren't given the spine label. You weren't given the covers, but you have the opportunity to start writing your story now. Yeah. Based on what you see around you, you have to take control of your story. And mm. I talk about fear. I talk about ambition. But yeah. I actually I break youth down to build them back up. Yeah. Let me tell. Let me know your story. Let me know what hells that you've been known hells you've been through. Because if you go through those, you might be able to go through unknown heavens if you decide to make a turnaround. Yeah, yeah. And so when I talk to them, I make it very, I don't, again, it's based on their age, yeah. how I talk and what I talk about. But the message is, is the same throughout. This is your story. You are the narrator. You have the opportunity, the obligation, and the, and the, 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 the full duty mm -hmm. to make this something better for yourself. Because if you don't, you're going to look back and you're going to be playing cleanup on a mess that you did not have to have in the first place. Wow. Wow. And so important. Their awareness, you know, their awareness, their association of who they're associating with and the actions that they take um, is so important. It's so key as you break it down, like you said, according to their age and things like that, helping them and empowering them to be able to not just live up to their potential, but to their identity of who they are and helping them to recognize that. I think it's so key and so needed, you know, in the days in which we live in. Now, let's talk a little bit about financial illiteracy, you know, because you were at a place and then you had to grow. 
what was that journey like? Because like you were saying earlier, if you don't see something healthy in the relationship, how are you going to have a healthy relationship? So you had to learn about financial literacy. So let's talk a little bit about that journey, because there's a lot of people out there that are still in that rut. You know, they're just not six feet under in the grave, but they're still in the rut. They're trying to climb out of that and they don't know where to go, how to do it if it's possible for them. So what are some steps or tools that you used that can help empower another person to kind of climb that ladder, to get better, to just improve themselves, even in the slightest, because that's still an improvement. Right, right, right. And that, and for when I realized that it was the constant paycheck to paycheck cycle, mm. it was the Robin, Robin Peter to pay Paul. It was seeing the same result from the same habits that have been developed since the age of 16. Wow. And so when I had a conversation with my wife, it had to be had because we were faced with a conversation and dialogue on us moving forward together. Mm. We had to ask ourselves where we're making this money, but where is it going? Mm. And I had to see for myself that, okay, I'm bringing this money in, but yes, yet I'm nickel and diming ourselves. We're fast food going, we're shopping our way into a place that we can't recover. And I had to be honest with her. And so some of the things that I talk about when it comes to financial literacy is seeking some advice, some advice from someone who is, in a, fin is a financial advisor, yes. someone who has the full credentials. So I'm, I am working on my credentials to become with a it's called a securities license to be able to work in investments, be able to help people manage money in a, a, a little bit better. Yes. And so once I once we had that conversation and I dived into some I dove into something to help broaden my financial literacy, then I was beginning to see how we were mismanaging money. And wow. most people, not that we don't make enough money, it's mm. that we're mismanaging our money. Mm. And then for mm. some of us, we aren't making enough money, but that means going and looking at every expense that you have, getting a piece of paper, looking at your monthly, uh, monthly statements on your mm. cash app accounts, your PayPal accounts, wherever right. you're spending money at, looking at those spaces and places to be able to say, you know what, I need to move this over here, this over here, and see what you're spending. Mm. Look at what you're spending and then put yourself on a very strategic budget that can either go six months, 12 months, 24 months, 48 months, and wow. see the difference and make sure that you start working on that credit, getting with a credit specialist, and then making sure that you're taking advantage of every opportunity to ensure your automobile, to ensure your home, to ensure yeah. those valuable as assets, most importantly, ensuring your lives, our mm -hmm. lives. Because just like you said, most people don't understand where they are before they're six feet deep, not realizing that when they get six feet deep, they not only have accumulated more debt, but now mm -hmm. they've passed that debt down. Yeah. So now we have generational traditions of illiteracy when it comes to finances, financial, the finances, but also more so the irresponsibility of not putting proper uh, uh, preparation on things that deserve proper planning. Wow. Important. Very well said and important because we have to recognize um, and, and be honest. Because like, you know, Michael said, look at the man in the mirror, you know, and, and just to own up to it and to realize when we need help, whether it's financial or whatever it is, emotional, physical, spiritual, whatever the type of help that we need, we have to just recognize it and understand that how you do anything is how you do everything. And so it's so key and so, so, so important. You know, 
what's next for Kent Wade? What's upcoming events? I know we've talked about the virtual and the in-house uh, seminars that are coming up, but what else is coming up for Kent Wade? You're an author, you're a motivator, you're a father, a happy father, and things like that, a professional empowering others. What's next? Well, what's next on our journey? My journey is me and my wife, uh, we are, we joined in a partnership in the financial service industry. So we are going, we are building our own uh, financial team to be able to help bring this message to, from Wall Street to the Main Street, to be All able right. to tell individuals <laughs> about this and how to make their money work for them, get these licenses. That's another step for me and my wife as a partnership. Um, my wife is working on, on her book. Um, her mother was a, a writer, so she has some stories that were not published, so we're going to publish those. Okay. Um, and then I am working on the Shake the Fear conference for 2023. Mm. And so that information is released in August. And so it's normally the last Saturday in October, which happens to be my birthday this year. So I'm super <laughs> excited. And so uh, me and my wife, we're, we're moving. So we're, we're, we're really tightening up home as we end out Jordan year, year 23. And as wow. we go into Mamba year, year 24, rest <laughs> in peace, Kobe, we're yeah. going to explode um, her coaching business. Um, she's a public speaker who came out her show recently. And so our goal is to reach a broader audience on the financial literacy, um, helping people become uh, more of a, a fear shaker in the public, uh, public speaking realm. And then uh, working on some book projects, working on some book projects and, uh, God has opened up some new doors that I'll be uh, uh, improving my community even more. And uh, we, we just, we're just, we're just tightening up the system that we have now so we can run even smoother. Wow. Wow. That's awesome, folks. Well, Kent's information is also going to be on our website. Folks, we're just about out of time. If you did not hear this entire broadcast, I want you to visit our website at www.road2eternity.net. Kent's information will be on there as well. We want you to look him up. We want you to attend the Shake the Fear that's going to be held in October of 2023 this year. And uh, we're going to keep in contact with Kent. We're going to have him come back again uh, to share some more information, to share some more motivation and inspiration because that's who he is. He is a servant heart messenger. Um, and I'm telling you, and when he reaches out, he reaches out. He's a flame of ambition. And so it has been such a joy uh, speaking with him today. Like I said, if you did not hear this entire broadcast, visit our website to get more information, to get Kent's information as well. Kent Wade, who is the person known for shaking the fear. Okay. So no matter what's going on with you, get it out of your head. Okay. So that you can move forward and have a better tomorrow. Thank you for listening. I want you to remember something that you are uniquely designed and strategically gifted. Use your gifts to impact the world. Thank you for listening to Gifted with Sheila White. We hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world. Gifted with Sheila White is produced by Road to Eternity, a film and television production company.